Hi, Going Deeper. Welcome to our final evening in our Crosswalk series. I'll be back with you next week and we'll continue our journey through Philippians. In week one, Kevin Siddle talked to us about study, that is grounding ourselves in the word. In week two, Ashley Cooper talked to us about witness. In week three, Reverend Carmen talked to us about giving. We're going to conclude with our hands lifted up. We're going to conclude by talking about worship. Josh Gillum not only leads this worship service, but he has a true heart of a psalmist. He's got a heart for God. He writes. He's got some incredible insights into worship that he's going to be sharing with us tonight. I can't wait to see how God is going to speak to our hearts through Josh. You're already laughing at me. <laughs> have you ever committed to do something? I'm assuming you have. And a few days, a few weeks go by, and the time comes to do that thing. You stop, and you think to yourself, ooh, did you do that? He's, yeah, Kevin's lying. Now that the tone is appropriately set, you wouldn't believe how sweaty my palms are. For those of you who don't know, my name is Josh. I've been on the uh, Christ Church worship staff here for about seven years now. Um, thank you. Sarah, who uh, often plays keys for us, and I will have been married for five years in September. Hooray. And we also have a beautiful, wonderful, chaotic, two-and-a-half-year-old baby boy, and he will always be my baby boy. Here we are, last Wednesday in June, July is on the horizon, Christmas is almost five months away, you're welcome. <laughs> We're here to wrap up the Crosswalk series to talk about worship. My intention is not to stand up here and present questions like, what is worship and why do we worship, only to have the answers be because the Bible says so, and throw some psalms at you. There will be some psalms later, lest you worry. My intention is to tread some hopefully familiar ground for a lot of us. If you grew up in the church or even just attended periodically, chances are that you will be well-versed in some of these themes and ideas. We live in a very specific cultural moment, a culture that belittles and attacks the worship of most anyone or anything that is not self and self-gratification. So I figured this could be a good time for a refresher, if you don't mind. So with that being said, uh, to kick things off, within the context of Christianity and the local church, I present to you worship is, enter buzzword here. You're going to love it, maybe. Worship is contemporary. Worship is traditional. Worship is our hymns. Worship is our hymns. It's not grammar class. Worship is Joy FM. Good, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that landed. Did you know that there are some people with which you can use Joy FM as a scare tactic? <laughs> I'm not one of them. Moving on. 
Worship is exciting. Good. Worship is fun. Thank you. Worship is Michael W. Smith, anyone besides my mom. <laughs> Michael W. Secret ambition. Worship is boring. Worship is stale. Worship is lifeless. Worship is too long. (laughs) Worship is not long enough. There are a lot of ages and stages represented in this room tonight. I have no doubt that we all have our own idea of what worship is, or at least what it should look like. I'm more than aware that when we're about to begin a worship service, either in here on a Wednesday or in the sanctuary on a Sunday, that many of us have been looking forward to that moment all week, while others of us are already looking to that third song as to move on to the speaking part. It comes as no surprise to us that one of the largest contentions, one of the most heavily debated topics in churches all over is the style or the model for worship. Some people flock to certain churches because of their modern approach, while others flee that same church because they feel it to be too much of a rock show. I have found myself in both camps over the years. A fair question could be, how is something that is purely biblical and meant to bring honor and praise to God leave us debating amongst ourselves who is more right than the other in regards to application. A silly question this day and age, I'm aware. All things considered, this isn't going to be necessarily a deep dive into the theology of worship per se. We have other folks who can tackle that. I'm but a humble substitute. Very thankful for the opportunity. Tell him I said I was thankful for the opportunity. (laughs) Kevin's my alibi. While not a deep dive, uh, I aim to hopefully give us some clarity, some confidence in, in knowing that we are doing all that we can through the power of the Holy Spirit to live our lives as worthy to the good news of Christ, specifically through the vehicle of worship. Thumbs up, thumbs down, volunteers tribute. Hunger Games? Okay. We're going to go through this in, in two parts here. Uh, first part being corporate worship. Second part being individual worship. Please don't be too impressed by my super original titles. They're breathtaking. I know. Again, I'm sure I'd hope that this will be a good reminder for most of us. However, if this is the first time some of this has been brought before you in this way, I truly hope I don't butcher it too much. Now is the time that you cast your prayers upon me. First up, corporate worship. If I were to ask many of you here tonight, What is worship? The majority would probably say something like, the part of the service in which we sing songs. A fair answer, I myself am a big fan. Many of us, no doubt, are currently having flashbacks to childhood moments and wooden pews, stained glass windows, an organ lulling you to sleep while the adults around you sing unfamiliar songs in that classic monotone way. Worship. Some of the more enlightened among us might even add, 
Worship is when we take communion, when we partake in the Lord's Supper together, which we will be doing later. Or worship is when we take a moment in the service to tithe and give back to God. Fair as well. Quote, worship is the act of declaring to God his worth, affirming who he is, and what he has done, and responding to him in praise, adoration, thanksgiving, and awe. I didn't write that. It was a quote. I forgot to write down the reference. It's on the internet. Google it. So a good place to start might be worship is the time set aside in a service to praise and give glory to God through music, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Countless times throughout the library of scripture, we we read that the people of God are a singing people. In times of victory, celebration, joy, depression, loss, and defeat, the people of God can be found singing their way through it all. From King David and his many psalms, they are many, to Mary, the mother of Christ, and her Magnificat, to Jesus and his disciples in that upper room, to Paul and Silas locked away in a cell. The act of verbally singing and exalting God through voice can be seen. One thing that strikes me in the example of Mary and of Jesus and his disciples is that to our knowledge, there was no musical accompaniment in either scenario. I can hear those of us who have a hard enough time connecting to a service with music take a sharp intake of breath. Silence. Spooky silence. This strikes me because if I may, I feel we, I feel I, at times have gotten way too comfortable, way too reliant on outward factors to help facilitate me into my ideal way of worshiping God. The lights must be at a certain level. The band must be of a certain quality. The haze must be set to perfection. Haze is the smoke machine that many churches use. Haze is fine, just don't inhale it too deeply. Lawsuits. None of these things are inherently wrong or or negative things. Of course, we want to bring our best in worship to the Lord and to do our best to provide a distraction-less environment for musical worship for the people in our community. But as many of us know, in many areas of life, if left unchecked for too long, the methods, the the tools that we use can become the main focus and the definition of success rather than pure surrender to the living God and his holy scriptures. Delicate ground. I know, I digress. So worship is the time set aside in the service to praise and give glory to God through music, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Here in going deeper, we do our best to, as I said a few moments ago, provide a distraction-less environment for musical worship. Admittedly, some weeks more than others, I feel we accomplish that goal better. Myself often being the, the weakest link. I can remember many a times in which we are in a beautiful moment, of musical worship and Donovan's breaking drumsticks on the drums. Sarah, my wife, is headbanging on the keys. We're singing How Great Is Our God or something beautiful. And I'm, I'm strumming and I'm singing. 
I'm strumming and I'm singing. And I look at the confidence monitor in the back. It's, it's a reference for the lyrics. And as I'm strumming and singing, I'm realizing I'm singing the wrong words. The right words are right there. I'm strumming and I'm singing. Why am I singing the wrong words? I don't have an answer for you. I'm still trying to figure it out. Wednesday being the midweek point for many of us, it is my goal, my desire to facilitate a, a welcoming atmosphere for everyone who joins to feel at home, in, at ease. For everyone to gather, to set aside all else for an hour and some change and to take a collective deep breath before a holy God. My wife, Sarah, and I, we, we write music for the church that we get to share in this room at times. We periodically listen to, to podcasts and teachings on how to improve our writing and all that good stuff. I'm not sure if it's working, but we're, we're trying. Thank you. I can't remember who said this first, but uh, I was listening to, to a podcast or something of a, of a worship leader talking about worship songwriting. And in regards to songwriting, worship songwriting, he said, quote, a worship song is a three to four minute sermon. Make it count. The songs that we sing together matter. What we sing about God matters. The people of God are a singing people. But Josh, I hear you say, I'm just not a musical person. I resonate more with the sermon rather than the music. I see you and I hear you deep breath. The people of God are singing people. I don't repeat that line in hopes to guilt or to shame you that, or shame you into thinking that if you're not singing along during a, a musical portion of the service, that you're not worshiping the living God. Far from it, not my intention. I would probably be fired. Hastily, hastily, just kidding. <laughs> I would just be heartbroken truly for someone to go throughout their life and miss out on the peace, the unity and refreshment that musical worship to God can bring just because we don't think we are musical enough. Or because maybe we're uncomfortable due to not knowing how we should act during the music time, or perhaps just because we had an all-around not-so-great experience with it during our upbringing. I would much rather like to set you at ease. Ease is the word of the night. To let you off the hook in some ways and maybe challenge you in some others. I'm not sure if that's better or worse than just shaming and guilting. Time will tell. There are many different directions we could branch off here, but for the sake of time... Allow me to give some of my thoughts on, on two points here. First, why we worship God through music and why we sing praise songs in church together. So firstly, in my humble opinion, we worship God through music because we worship a creative and good God. Psalm incoming. Psalm 100 chapter, uh, verses 1 through 3. Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. 
God gave us the, the ability of creativity. Because he is good, our songs ultimately come from a place of thanksgiving. We are made in his image. God not only created the idea of music theory, but also created time itself, the cosmos, with a simple command. Throwing in the lyre or the simple flute was hardly a strain on the creative flow of the Almighty. Music itself is just one expression of that creativity. Back to Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5. Shout with joy to the Lord. All the earth for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now this is not to negate the reality and the struggles and pains of life that leave us questioning the goodness of God. But when all is said and done, our choice of believing heart, mind, and soul that he is good regardless is monumental to the foundations of our faith. We worship God through music and through singing because worshiping God with our bodies is a part of our spiritual makeup and purpose. More on this in a moment. I like to think that we ultimately worship God through music because on this side of heaven, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs are all that our brains could conjure up for such a God. I could be wrong. Just a fun thought. So we worship God through music because we worship a creative and good God. Secondly, why we sing praise songs in church. We sing praise songs in church because through the praising of God, through the agreement of lifting up our voices together in song, we encourage one another. I like this one. Good job, Josh. <laughs> in the letter of Hebrews, the, the apostle Paul includes a loving reminder to continue meeting together. He spurs us on to encourage one another, especially now that the day of Christ's return is drawing near. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 25, paraphrase. I'm sure that we can all draw to mind a time in which we witnessed someone we knew who was going through a seriously tough time and yet still giving themselves fully to God in worship when they seemingly had no reason to. If I may be fully transparent, there have been many Wednesdays over the years in which we're preparing to start the service, the countdown is counting down, and the team and I are getting ready, and 10 seconds hits the countdown clock, and internally I'm thinking, I don't want to be here. I'm tired. I'm stressed. But... As we dive into the first song of worship, and I start singing and you start singing, I am encouraged as we praise our God together. Thank you for encouraging me. Now I know that the idea of encouraging each other through music sounds nice and blissful. The musical elephants in the room still remain. 
allow me to address them. Elephant number one, I'm just not a musical person. I know. I know. I know that the I know that some of us here are not blessed in the pitch and tone areas. As my mother often says, I can't sing, but I can make a I think John Weems is a joyful noise kind of guy due to his laugh. We all know who the joyful noise people are. God bless you as you continue to partake in the worship services at Christ Church. Jokes aside, jokes aside, if that is you, if you have a passion and a heart for praising God, for singing aloud his praise, but hold yourself back due to insecurities about raw talent, I encourage you to maybe reframe how you view the corporate gathering of God's people. The worship times on on Sundays and Wednesdays, no matter where you attend, are for the communities of God to gather regardless of status or skill and give God the glory that he is due. Easier said than done. As a consistently self-conscious person myself, this rings true. You might not know the songs being sung. You might be the only person that would be engaging in that moment. For a number of reasons, you might just be not feeling it that morning or evening. God is greater than these things. I don't say that or use this as a trump card, as if to say, get over it. But it's the truth, is it not? So, even if, as a start, you just read aloud the lyrics as they're being sung, actively thinking about the words on the screens, instead of wishing the time by. I'd say that's progress. That's a win. Active participation is the win here. Elephant number two. I resonate more with the sermon than the music. Is this fun? Are we having fun? And yet a hush fell over the crowd. Be careful with this one. I debated leaving it there. Instead, to those of us with this mindset, I would lovingly encourage you to revisit the picture that the book of Revelation paints of heaven. Revisit what an eternity with an awesome, beautiful, holy God contains. Music is involved. Again, no shame, no guilt. I just feel the danger, the reality of writing off the musical moments of worship week after week is too real. It's too easy. So don't do it. I get paid the big bucks around here. (laughs) Quick recap. We, We worship God through music because we worship a creative and good God. We sing praise songs in church because through the praising of God, through song, we encourage one another. Do you have a few more minutes left in you? I didn't think I would make it this far either. Mom is proud. This is a big moment for everybody. 
So everything we covered was under, just now covered, is, is under corporate worship. Part two, individual worship, or rather, worship as a lifestyle. Cards on the table. I was much more looking forward to writing out this aspect of worship for us tonight. I've had the privilege of being able to help serve God's church through leading worship for many years now. I shudder to count at this point, so we won't. The, the singing and the musical side of worship, it has come natural to me. It just has for as long as I can remember. But it has only been somewhat recently, within the past three-ish years or so, that the Lord has been taking Sarah and I on a, a, a spiritual journey of sorts back to the basics. I knew this was going to happen. Thank you. Thank you. Back to what it means to effectively and faithfully follow Christ through the duration of our earthly lives. Back to what it means to be a, a Christian, what it truly means to worship God. Quote, I have the source for this one. To worship something is to prize it above everything else, to honor it as the thing of highest importance, and to act accordingly. What would your response be if I said that biblical worship has less to do with a stage, some lights, and some music, and more to do with the kinds of people we are becoming as professing followers of Christ? How would it make you feel if I suggested that worship might have less to do with what songs we sing, however important? and more to do with the words we say, the thoughts we think, the things we watch, and the way that we treat each other, our spouse, our friends, and most importantly, God. Quite honestly, it takes a load off of my shoulders, the explanation for a different time. But as I said a moment ago, Sarah and I have been in a season of life in which we are, for lack of better words, restructuring what it means and does not mean to claim faith in Christ. A big part of this is the simple truth that for those of us who grew up in the church or a Christian household, we are blessed and slightly cursed. You laugh because it's true. I say slightly cursed, some more than others, because again, for anything, in life, the longer that you do a certain thing, the more exposure that you have to it, the more familiar it can become and the more passive we can become to it. It is no different with our relationship to God, Scripture, Jesus himself. And I am just as much in the hot seat as anyone else about this. Romans chapter 12, verses 1, amplified translation, just to get a little wild tonight. Therefore, I urge you, 
brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. I got snot coming out of my, out my nose. If I may again hit this home, may I do my best, may we do our best to never forget that if we claim faith in the God of the Bible, that what we allow our brains to think, what we allow our eyes to see, what we allow our tongues to say, what we allow our hands to do, where we allow our feet to go is all contained in the realm of our worship to God if we claim faith in him. You don't have to, but if you do. This can obviously be rather intimidating, daunting, spooky. It can understandably leave us with questions such as, so what now? Thank you for asking. A quote from the late philosopher Dallas Willard. To be a biblical Christian is not to have high views about the Bible. It is to seek, to know, and live the life that is depicted in the Bible. Whose life is he referencing? Any guesses? Not a trick question. Thank you. The life of the Lord Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the Son of God, our redemption, our restoration. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. <laughs> Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. A quote from Thomas Kempis, the author of The Imitation of Christ, would recommend it. Quote, we must imitate Christ's life and his ways if we are to be truly enlightened and set free from the darkness of our own hearts. Let it be the most important thing that we do then to reflect on the life of Jesus the Christ. To be a follower of Christ, to be a disciple, learner, apprentice of the Lord Jesus means to, quote, intentionally arrange our lives around the goal of spiritual transformation to develop a well-ordered heart, says John Ortberg. Romans chapter 12, uh, one more time. Therefore, I urge you, my brothers, my sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy, and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent 
act of worship. Sarah, would you mind? I love you. I'm going to do my best to land this thing. There's a lot more. There's a lot more here. Things that I'm still trying to make sense of. Things that I'm trying to continue to implement into my daily rhythm of following Christ. As I said at the beginning, it would have been easy to get up here and quote a few psalms and to have an overall approach of worship God just because. Or worship God, but don't ask any questions. I'm sure we have heard various versions of these things. I'm assuming that wouldn't have been very helpful. Instead, allow me to offer this instead. A life with and in Christ is a lifelong journey of ups and downs, of wins and of losses, of growth and revelation, of celebration and of mourning. May we, like our spiritual brothers and sisters who have gone before us, be found singing and living lives that honor and glorify the Lord God through it all. It takes work. It takes intentionality. I have really bad days. It's not about bad days. I truly hope that the things that I've shared tonight have been coherent first, first and foremost, that they've been encouraging, that they've been helpful. If not, I believe we got rid of the suggestion box years ago. My email is on the church website. <laughs> I wanted to include the last few lines of Paul's prayer for the Ephesians from Ephesians chapter 3 as we, as we finish here. Coincidentally, this is also the scripture passage that uh, Kevin closed with at the beginning of the month in his teaching of Bible study. I'm pretty sure I had my notes finished before he did. Just saying. We'll talk. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3 verses 4 through 19-ish. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Final power thought for the night. We worship the Lord God through song and body because of his great sacrificial love for us. Simple, but profound. Easy to hear, but a wonderful mystery. We're going to close this service by taking Holy Communion together. I would like to remind all of us that this, this isn't just another thing that we do. This isn't just another church thing. May God forgive us if we've let it slip into routine. We do this in remembrance of this great sacrificial love of Christ that is so worthy of our worship and adoration. Pastor Larry, if you would mind making your way up. 
Pastor Larry is going to bless the elements. You will be dismissed row by row, row by row, or you won't, I forget. Carrie says, yes, so wait your turn. Sarah and I are just gonna, we're just gonna play over this time. I'm losing my voice. I'm not gonna sing again. Please take advantage of these last, these last few moments. Partake. Slow down. Reflect. Be thankful. Worship. Worship.